Imagine for a moment a soldier prepped for battle, carrying all the gear that they need for combat. What's the most dangerous item on that trained warfighter? It's not the it's not the rifle. It's not the grenades. It's the radio. The communication device that will put that single soldier in touch with the larger force can call in artillery or airstrikes. Yeah, the rifle's dangerous. Grenades are not a plaything. Not more than once. But that radio connects them back to the larger world. It means that soldier is not alone. That one troop, the squad, the platoon, they're not out by themselves. They have an entire force behind them waiting to swoop into action. It might be one little lonely private in the United States Army, but there's an entire United States Air Force waiting to come at their beck and call. Communications are critical, not just for armed forces facing opposition. It's vital for regular folks who might need help. You've seen the ads. Personally, it amuses me how when in the, in the commercials, every word is advertised. If you fall and you cannot get up, You've seen them, haven't you? You know, the life alert. I've fallen and I can't get up. We laugh, but eventually we're going to be worried about that. Hey, I'm up here with my new progressive lenses. I'm still getting used to them. So, hey, I know the aging thing. It's that connection with the outside world. There's no place we go anymore where we're not connected. We've got our cell phone. And if we need help... Usually, it's just a call away. And that communication is also absolutely indispensable for Christians seeking to follow Christ. We have the ability to speak to God. We call it prayer. As we continue to look at different spiritual disciplines, disciplines, things that if we practice, we will grow closer to Christ. This morning, we're going to talk about talking to God. All throughout the Bible, we see God's people engaging in prayer. And of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer stands tall. I don't know that it's really possible to rank the spiritual disciplines in importance. I dare we rank the Bible number two? But prayer would certainly be first among equals. This is the one we are told to do constantly. It's the only one where the disciples ask Jesus for instruction. They didn't come to him and say, Lord, teach us how to heal. Or even, Lord, teach us how to give. It's, Lord, teach us to pray. We're going to look at a few aspects of prayer this morning. And we're going to see this is indeed a vital spiritual discipline. One, we cannot do without Because it's not just something that's good to do. We are told to pray. We see in the scriptures commands and implications that make prayer required. In 1 Samuel, 
Chapter 12, Samuel is talking to the nation of Israel. They have just requested a king. And as Samuel's going around with them, he slips in this statement. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. And I will instruct you in the good and right way. Not praying for him would have been a sin. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul just slips in real quick that statement. Pray without ceasing. Folks, prayer is commanded. It's a strong statement from Samuel. He's been the leader of the nation for years. The people were rejecting him. They knew that his sons were not fit to follow in his footsteps. They were really kind of a nasty piece of work. Kind of sad sometimes how you have in this Bible great spiritual leaders who are just wonderful people, truly given over to God, and their children see that example and reject it. Sometimes, no matter how great a job you do, parents, kids get to make their own decisions. And as he's talking to them, he says, for me not to pray for you would be a sin. We're told to pray for others, and we even see James saying, if you know what's good to do and you don't do it, it's sin. And a sin of omission is still a sin. So if we're withholding our prayer, we know it's good to pray for people. Well, we're making an error, folks. And as Paul tells the Thessalonian Christians to pray without ceasing, Jesus in Luke 18 tells the parable of the unjust judge where we're told to pray with persistence. Friends, prayer is something we ought to be about, not just at special times or special places. It needs to be a way of life. Now, that doesn't mean we're constantly driving around with our hands folded, our head down, and our eyes closed. You know, that's not a good idea sometimes. Although, sometimes you drive around, you swear that's what some of these folks are doing. We can't always adopt the posture of prayer, but we can always have an attitude of prayer. That mental calibration where we turn to prayer first. You, know, you, you ever been in one of those moments when you know, it's okay, either things are going wrong and all of a sudden it pops into your head, I should pray, and then you think, why didn't I think of this sooner? Or you know you're in a bad mood, you're not having a good day, and you're like, you know, maybe I should pray. And you're like, maybe. What do you mean, maybe? I think that's what Paul was getting at when he said pray without ceasing. You'll always be ready to go. and We've got to train ourselves, so we're always ready to go, always ready to pray. And The Bible never gives us a single reason for why to pray, but it does positively it does illustrate what happens when God's people pray. The results are always a positive thing. Not that every result is always granted with a yes, but things are always better afterwards. There's just something about coming to God, friends, coming to him in prayer that makes the problems a little smaller. The mountain turns back into a molehill. It's not that it's not a problem. It's just not an insurmountable problem. Because you're not at it alone. Oh, no, you've, you've talked to home base. You've talked to your dad. Now it's not you against the problem, it's you and him against the problem. And that's a different equation. Friends, prayer helps us. It, it just puts our mind 
there with God. When we pray, we're obeying him. When we're obeying him, we're doing as we should. We're finding ourselves in tune with God. It's, it, f- prayer is one of those funny things. It's, the longer you go without it, the less you want to do it. A lot of times, the longer you go without doing something, the more you want to do it. Like eating. You, don't, you skip breakfast, don't eat lunch, you're really ready for dinner. Next week, we talk about fasting. <laughs> That'll be a fun one. First service, we get, yes, we're going to talk about fasting, and after we talk about fasting, join us for our refreshments downstairs. But when we pray, we find ourselves wanting to pray more and more and more. Both ways, it's a loop that feeds on itself. But in prayer, we're in tune with God because we're obeying him. And friends, we will never grow closer to God through disobedience. You want to grow closer to God? You're going to have to do what he says. And that's our goal. To be closer to God, to be more like God. And in prayer, we're definitely doing that. Now, you've probably heard, that, heard, that, heard this phrase. You've probably heard people talk about this, the power of prayer. That's not an accurate term. I'm going to be the only preacher this morning that says this. There is no power in prayer. There is an unimaginable amount of power in the one to whom we pray. When the soldier gets out the radio... How much power is in the radio? Not much. A few watts. The power is in the folks in that, in that bomber who are going to come to his help. It's going to be in the helicopters and the artillerymen. Friends, when we pray, It's so much more than an act of obedience. We are connecting to the one who can do so much more than we can ask or imagine. And the early church realized this. In Acts chapter 4, they run into an issue. Peter and John had been arrested. They've been told, don't say anything about Jesus. And we pick up this story in verse 23 of Acts chapter 4. When they were released... They went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed... The place in which they were gathered together was shaken. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. All throughout the Bible, we see God's power poured out when his people pray. Friends, when we pray, we are connected to his power. It's not the power of the prayer. It's the power of the God to whom the prayer is addressed. Why does God wait for prayer? I do not know. God knows everything. He knows what our needs are. The Bible tells us that. Presumably, he has his reasons. He does not explain that to the likes of me. But we are told to ask, and in James, we're told that we don't have because we don't ask. One note here, friends. God is not a vending machine. Sometimes when we talk about prayer, we can give the impression that, well, you just ask. If you want it bad enough and it's not horrendously sinful, God will give it to you. No, that's not how it works. There is no guarantee that every request will be granted. How does God sort out what will be granted and what won't? I don't know. No one really understands that. Presumably, some requests are not good for us, either in the short or the long term. There were probably a lot of Christians out there praying this week, Lord, I could use that $1.5 billion Powerball. Our faith promise is going to be off the charts. We're going to do so much good for you with that money. Well, would it be good? Don't know. In prayer, we are talking to the Creator. He is all-powerful. He wants to hear from us. And again, Jesus tells us we're to be persistent. Again, we don't know why God would answer or grant a persistent request over a one-time one. So we want to be careful with this because we are not trying to manipulate God into granting wishes. Our requests are always having to be set against a background of understanding his will and his plans are going to override ours. Whenever we pray, whenever we make a request, there's always got to be that understanding. Okay, Lord, this is what I'm asking for, but thy will be done. Even Jesus didn't have every request granted. Did Did you know that? In the garden... Before he was arrested, Lord, take this cup from me. But not my will, but thine be done. He had to drink that cup to the full. The cup of God's wrath upon sin. That request was not granted. Why? Because it was the only way. Because God had willed it. Because Jesus understood it. And even Jesus, the very Son of God, Himself, God, was in obedience to the wishes of the Father. Friends, prayer isn't magic. But when we ask, now we're connected to him. Did you notice that in that Acts chapter 4? When the people come to God, they're saying, God... These are the threats that are being made. Help us to continue on with boldness. Help us in power. And what happens? The place is shaken. 
In the Bible, when, when a place is shaken or there's thunder and lightning and that sort of thing, those are images of God's power being poured out. That, was, that shaking is God's way of saying, my power's still at work. And then it ends with, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Yeah, they were worried. Not worried enough to be quiet, but worried enough to go to their father and say, we could use some help. We need some cover. We need some power. And God granted it. But you know, God also tends not to force his way into our lives. If we are dead set against God, he's not usually going to kick down the door of our hearts. And people say, well, he does do that in the Bible. Sometimes he does. Not everybody's Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, though. That was what we like to call in theological circles a special case. Most of us aren't going to be Paul. A lot of us might end up in jail, but we're not Paul. If we ignore God, he's not going to usually say, you know what, I'll show you. I'm going to pour out my power and blessing in your life until you can't deny it any longer. That, that generally doesn't happen. But when we ask, when we request, now we have that connection. His power is going to be at his disposal to use on our behalf. It's not that God delegates that power for us to use however we want. He's still using it. We always have to remember the sovereignty of God, friends. God is in charge. He is not at our beck and call, but he's always happy to hear from us. He's not always going to say yes, but he tells us to ask anyway. And when we choose not to pray, we close that door. Friends, that's not a door that any Christian should be happy being shut. Would it really be make you happy to think I can't talk to God if that if the answer is yes man you got problems no we want to talk to God and ultimately it's okay if God denies a, a prayer request because that's not the primary point of prayer it's one thing that happens but that's not the main thing that happens in prayer because in prayer we also find ourselves becoming more in line with the Holy Spirit Paul writes this to, in, in the book of Romans. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Folks, prayer is so much more than making requests or giving a status report. Prayer harmonizes us with his spirit. There's things going on behind the scenes. This isn't just a conversation like we'd have with anybody else. Folks, now we're getting into the mystical part of prayer. This is the part where uh, if you're one of those left brain sorts like me, it starts getting a little uncomfortable because we're getting a little mystic. Well, like I like to say, there is enough stuff in Christianity that, you know, there's enough mystical stuff to upset the intellectuals. But there's also more than enough intellectual stuff to annoy the mystics. You know, everybody gets it. 
And Paul speaks of a situation here where we might not know what to pray. And, you know, if, you might, if you're sitting there thinking, man, how could you have a situation where you might not know what to pray? Oh, you dear sweet summer child. That's going to happen. I, it, in life, sometimes you run into those issues, you know, when you have a loved one who's slipping away. Grandma's there, but she's not really grandma anymore. What do you pray? That's a hard one. And here's where, so, you know, that's kind of an example of what Paul's talking about. He says, okay, in times like this, you've got the Spirit. And God's got you. Not every situation is that clean cut. Sometimes our language is insufficient. Mere words don't always suffice. We will come to God, whether in great joy or great anguish, and all we can really do is... You know, that's all we can do. Those groanings. Because you know, no matter how thick the dictionary is, you know, there's always those spots between words where you're trying to find the right thing to say and you can't really express it. And that's when the Holy Spirit that's dwelling in you fully understands what you're trying to say. And because the Spirit is part of God too, He's communicating that with the Father. And us being in that attitude of prayer, that communication line is open. And God understands what's going on. Friends, these are the moments when we can see the result of God's Spirit living in us. I know we've got Christian brothers and sisters that will point to things and be like, well, you don't really have the Spirit if you don't speak in tongues, or this or that. And Folks, that's not really an accurate view of the Holy Spirit. It's times like this where the Holy Spirit, where that indwelling really helps. Because those marks of the Holy Spirit usually have nothing to do with doing miraculous things. It's actually a lot to do with the day-to-day tasks of being a Christian. Being guided into truth. Talking to God. Living a Christian life. And now we can communicate in this way with God because we are linked up at a deeper level. We don't necessarily need to use words and This is not something that you really have to explain to men. Men get this. You know, ladies, y'all are very verbal. We get it. Love y'all. Guys can have entire conversations without ever uttering a word. You know, it's like, guys, you lift your head. I see you. I recognize you. What's up? Nodding your head. I I, I respect you. You're cool. Going to the right. Get a load of this. Yeah, you know, yeah, I see the guy smiling, you know, it's that unwritten stuff we don't have to explain. <laughs> ladies are like, what? It's a guy thing, ladies, sorry. <laughs> but we have that with God. We don't always have to express it in words, in prayer, friends. Our connection with God is significant. It is profound. 
We can build this connection in many ways, we see, and we see benefits in prayer as well as elsewhere in our lives. We call this sanctification, God's Spirit shaping us as He dwells within us. It's part of that result. We're just on that same wavelength with God. We're not on our own. We're not left trying to sort things out get, or get a message across. God's spirit in us is communicating with the Father, knowing us completely, understanding what we cannot quite express. Prayer is all this and so much more. I tell you, when I was putting this sermon together, it's like, okay, where do I stop? Yeah, and everybody's sitting there thinking, hopefully somewhere. <laughs> Friends, prayer is an indispensable discipline for the Christian. How could we possibly know the commands to pray, the benefits of prayer, and come to the conclusion that prayer is unnecessary or decide that we can do without it? Friends, you want to grow closer to God? You make prayer the tone of your life. Not just something you do, but just a foundation. The basic background of your life be prayer. Because you can't always stop and give a formal prayer. But we ought to reach the point where we are in a mindset of prayer. Always ready to say a quick word to God. Have it be our first reaction. Have it be our go-to. Yeah, it takes some work. It's not easy to accomplish. We've got to be purposeful. And I tell you, that's going to pop up a lot here as we talk about spiritual disciplines. Being purposeful. You want to, if you're starting out and you're like, I've got to get better with prayer, use the reminder app on your phone. Schedule it. Block out an amount of time for prayer. Because if it's dinging at you and you see that little notification... Okay, it's time to pray. We're not going to slip into this by accident, friends. You're not going to suddenly one day say, man, I didn't realize I was doing this. Now all of a sudden I'm really praying a lot. No, we're only going to get there if we train ourselves. Nobody in the Olympics gets there by accident, even in curling. <laughs> it's always funny. You ever notice that if you're watching some of these Olympics? You know, you got the ones where the, these people have worked at this. This has been their sole goal for their entire lives. And then other events, it looks like they decided it Tuesday afternoon they had nothing better to do. Friends, we're only going to be good prayers if we pray. We're only going to pray if we remind ourselves, we tell ourselves, we make ourselves. And when we start doing that, then we can make prayer a first resort, not a last resort. A quick prayer here and there trains us. You know, maybe say a little prayer. You're getting into the car behind the wheel. Lord, help me be chill. You're walking into work, or you're dealing with somebody there who's a pain. Lord, I'm about to deal with this person. They're not easy. Lord, help me. Little things like that get us in that mindset. 
And remind yourself to pray first when the worries pop up. When something comes to mind, you've been mulling it around. And then all of a sudden, why didn't I pray? Well, say a prayer, thump yourself upside the head, and try to do it earlier next time. Remember that real purpose of prayer, friends. Prayer is not about getting what we want. It's about being molded into, being, into becoming like Jesus. Can you imagine how awful it would be if we got everything we wanted? Man, we would probably be pretty lousy people. Sometimes God will say yes, sometimes he will say no. But all the time we are being shaped into being like him. That's really our goal. Not to get something, but to become like him. Not to have his power exercised on our behalf all the time, but to be in tune with him. Friends, we will not be good followers of Jesus if we don't pray. We will not pray if we do not make ourselves pray. Stand with me, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We are so grateful that you give us this, this way to talk to you. That we're not on our own. We're not left out here by ourselves muddling around in the dark. But Father, we get to converse with you. You shape us. You mold us. Your spirit inside us is working on us. Father, we thank you for that. Lord, help us to pray. Help us to make the time, to make it our first resort, to talk to you and always be ready to pray. So, Father, we can be more like you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.